0: Introverted noise. Hurry oh, yeah, up, Daddy. Let's
1: do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, oh, look at this! It. to oh, Williams. My... Touchdown! You gotta to be kidding oh, me. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. Back with the full crew. Took a little bit of time. Let things marinate. And we are here, ready to give our takes for not just the last game, but the season overall. But before we get to all that, you know, it's Saxy Prince's birthday. So we're we going to start things off. We can go in reverse order. Happy birthday, Prince. What's going on, What's going on with you, man? How you doing? How you been? yeah man another year older wiser
1: hopefully um you know it's been a it's been a an exciting couple of days a couple of weeks ago i found that at work they had a uh you know they they planned you know a special retreat just for my birthday you know they're calling it you know some kind of corporate event or whatever the case is but i know it was really because they had foreseen my birthday was coming up so you know, they do a little shindig, have some corporate events and whatnot. And you went out to Maple Grove, did some whirly ball. Never done whirly ball ever before, but what
0: is whirly ball?
1: It is like it's like lacrosse, but you're in bumper cars. So it's pretty it, it, it's pretty
2: intense. Think lacrosse but in bumper cars.
0: JR, y'all y'all play whirly ball in North Carolina? My
2: first time hearing a whirly ball was just three seconds ago
0: okay all right okay (laughs) well continue sexy continue
1: yeah no it's been you know it's been a good birthday you know i appreciate y'all and everyone else on twitter facebook and you know my contacts you know shouting me out for birthday and whatnot yeah it's been a good birthday so far i get to um, celebrate a little bit more this weekend doing another uh, escape riddle room it'll be fantastic game of thrones themed y'all so i'm doing this I'm doing this for my people right now, so
0: hey, you should you should have brought Jr. in for this one. He'd be a secret weapon, right? He's watch, because now, he's watched now it more JR recently than anybody else.
1: All right, JR's all caught up, so he probably has everything fresh in his mind. And you know how Jr. is he 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 watches tape really uh, intensely, so you know he has caught all the little inner things that we probably missed. You know, a couple of years ago when we missed it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's ready. He's ready. So I guess one last question because I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Miles now. Miles, I know. I need a question to to wake you up here. We got you up, you know, past your bedtime and stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, speed skating, you know, you versus Saxy Prince. <laughs> Who wins? Long track. I'll, I'll beat. It doesn't matter the distance. I'll beat Prince. And
1: oh yeah, Miles is winning that hands down. I'm I'm admitting I'll go,
3: that. I'll go backwards. He can go forwards. And I'll
0: Ooh. Win. So okay, yeah, we might know, have like a, a a Saxy Prince Miles triathlon. Right now we got basketball one on one. We got a skating event with Miles going backwards. We just need one more sport, and uh, we're going to have to get this thing going.
1: Well, we can't do swimming because we both want to drown. So we got (laughs) to do something that's on land or um, maybe in the sky. Gymnastics. Miles?
3: I don't don't do heights. (laughs)
1: Light-skinned
0: people.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Jared says that like he does heights. Come on, man.
0: Uh I do.
3: Oh, man. So So you you don't like birds? Huh? You don't
2: like you don't like flying.
3: I I'm fine in a plane. I just I don't like being like on a skyscraper up in the in tall buildings looking down. Nah.
2: So you don't like roller coasters? Nope. Oh my god! Come on, Man. y'all.
3: Man, I ride roller coasters. I mean, but, I like roller. But you coasters. You
2: don't
0: like
3: them? Okay. All right. he, turn,
2: he turns red on roller coasters. <laughs> nah. My
3: my, my my issue more roller coasters is I get motion sick. That's my problem more than the heights.
2: Light skinned people. mm. Mm -mm. all right well
0: jr my man how you doing how you been and uh i guess you know it's a bit sad for most of us but for you it's sad but you got draft season so you know how you doing how are things going with that you jumped all the way in at this point
2: yeah man you know january 1st really is what kicks off draft season because a lot of teams their seasons come to an end and it's officially over for a lot of teams and they start looking at draft prospects and that's what i'm here for so i'm excited
0: all right. Well, let's jump right into this thing. And obviously, it's been it's been a couple of weeks. We took a we took some time off there after uh that uh that brutal end, which, you know, it's Yinka's birthday, so you know, in the spirit of being, you know, giving and charitable and all those things. I guess we can give Yinka some of his props because, you know, well before the season was over when the the math and the probabilities and all those things were still saying that the Vikings uh should make the playoffs. Yinka eh, privately maybe not so sure about those things. And uh, I guess the thing, the season kind of ended in the way that, you know, Yinka privately again uh, said it was going to end. So again, you know, it's your birthday Prince. I'm going to let you kick this thing off. Uh, Yeah. Bears game. What are your thoughts on uh, the team performance overall? Obviously the quarterback performance and anything else you want to get off your chest related to the last game of the season.
1: Yeah. So, the reason there, there's a reason why I did it privately and not on, on the timeline, because y'all would know how people would have reacted had I done it on the timeline. I would not have made it to this birthday had I announced it publicly. Anyways, um, no, it, you know, honestly, there was, I honestly thought the Vikings were going to win this game. You know, I, I thought that the Bears were um, not going to give their full effort. You know, I thought they were going to, you know, maybe give an effort in the beginning, but, you know, obviously once they saw you know, maybe this game isn't really worth it. We will still have, for the most part, home field advantage. Um, you know, let's just go and try to play as clean of the game as possible and then get out of there uh, without, you know, any major injuries or anything like that. But uh, the Vikings showed that, you know, when it comes down to beating a good team, even a good team that's probably not going to play, you know, uh, 100% against you, they they have kind of shown quite a few times this this uh, past season that that they just weren't up to the challenge they were an average team and you know we're okay with admitting that they were an average team now that doesn't mean that they can't can they can't grow from being an average team especially with all the talent they have um but i i again it, it's too hard for me to blame one individual for why this was you know you can't blame uh kirk cousins you can't blame uh just blame zimmer you can't blame you know stefanski um, offensive weapons, defensive uh, performances and stuff. Because I think at, at certain times there was uh, times where we were looking really, really good. And then times there, you know, obviously the game just got out of hand. So I think this this game actually kind of encapsulated what the, the entire season was. I mean, I think you saw uh, the beginning of the game where the Vikings didn't look ready. Uh, towards the middle where it's like oh well it looks like we have a little stuff more into the game and then towards the end you can kind of tell they, they just weren't ready for this game so um i think this 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 game was very very symbolic in my opinion for how the biking season went.
0: miles what's your perspective because generally speaking you are uh i guess we'll say a, a bit more optimistic about these things uh or maybe a bit more accepting of the reality of these things would be a better way of putting it. But I guess after seeing uh yeah, the way the Vikings played in 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 the final game of the season and kind of looking back at things overall, I guess what are your thoughts on the game and then yeah, how how do you put this the this the season overall in perspective? I mean, to put it frank, but I mean they
3: the end of the season the way they they played, they played every single big game this season. They came up short. They didn't show up for the most part. Uh, key situations and key opportunities to um, to make make a statement to to score some points to you know to do things that that obviously were, are needed to win games in big in big games that we've seen this season they they came up short again like we we saw it throughout the entire season you see it saw it against the New Orleans Saints you saw it against Seattle Seahawks the New England Patriots the Chicago Bears twice. Um, there's probably another game in there that I'm missing. Like a lot of the big games that they played this season, they they had opportunities that, against every single team that they lost to this year. Specifically, the I'll, I'll say the games that were whether you call them prime time or games that were that were more were against better comp, against better competition against teams that are you know in the playoffs that are you know in the divisional round of the playoffs or what have you is they came up short, but every single one of those games, they had an opportunity to, to make a statement, to make, you know, make a play here to not make a mistake here. And they, they didn't do it. Whether it's your quarterback making key, uh, key turnovers, whether it's um, your, your defense, um, you know, with penalties or, um, you know, just giving up randomly big plays, random plays that are like is unprecedented from this team. It, it just felt like, the way they handled the season just was beside all expectations. Um, I just don't think they played. They didn't play very many games this season cohesively. Like there was, there's maybe one or two games the entire season where you're like, wow, they really put this, they really put things all together. But those games were against lesser competition where you expected that to happen, but you didn't see that happen against teams. The only game I'd say that, to me the best game of the season might've been the Philadelphia Eagle game and they still almost gave that one away. So, um, it was, it's just a disappointing season just because you know, the expectations, you know, the talent on the roster and you, you see the the moves that were made to make yourself better after a a 13 and three season NFC championship. Um, you know, all, all those things that we talk about and they ended up firing their offensive coordinator that, you know, you're, it's, yeah just just extremely disappointing uh not really at the end of the day during the bears game looking back at specifically that last game uh nothing really surprised me at that point
0: yeah and and obviously i know you, you you played the position and and i'm curious um like what do you make of the there's a couple exchanges so like the one that obviously got the most press was, uh, you know, Thielen and Kirk going at each other, Thielen yelling, Kirk saying, you know, I don't have, you know, 10 seconds, whatever it was. And, and you know they went back and forth for a little bit. But then another, I guess, exchange, it seemed you know, kind of in that same timeline where Kirk was sitting on you know, on the bench and, you know, Diggs kind of comes over and is trying to like hype him up or whatever. It says like, I got you. Um, Yeah, I guess from your perspective, like what do you make of, of, of all of that and, and those interactions with, you know, and on one hand, you know, a wide receiver kind of going at the quarterback like that. And on the other hand, another wide receiver kind of coming in and trying to to pump up the quarterback, I guess when those things have happened when you play, like what what, what are the thoughts around the team when, when something like that is going down?
3: Um, I mean, it literally was a culmination of all the frustration that you saw the back half of the season for the offense happening in that basically one scene between Adam Thielen and, and Kirk Cousins, like should you be having miscommunication with your quarterback and receiver week 17 not that not that miscommunication doesn't happen but sh- should you be having key miscommunication aspects of your receiver or your quarterback not understanding you know how how each other wants to play by week 17 that's like it's just inexcusable at that point like the quarterback should know the and the receiver should know they should be on the same page at that point on how how things should be running um, you could definitely tell the back half of the season Adam Thielen's frustration. You know he double teamed a lot, but at the same time, there are times where he's open and Kirk either missed him or didn't, um, or or wasn't willing to pull the trigger or what or what have you. It was just literally the epitome of that that frustration. And for me, I my my issue wasn't the argument itself; it was more of the. I guess the reasoning behind the argument, like I, I, you know, guys are going to argue, guys are going to have miscommunication, guys are going to have those scenario, those situations where they, you know, there's that th- th- those frustrating situations. But at the end of the day, I just, I just, it just really felt like that's how the entire season went and felt like was their argument because you're like it's week 17, and you you could just tell everything was boiling up and it kind of ki- finally came out, um, in that last game. Um, but then you have, you know, you have one guy, and and both both guys want to win. Adam, Thiel, all three, I'll say all three: Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs. They all want to win. That's obvious. But you could tell your two wide receivers are the guys that are, you know, supposedly, or they're supposed to be your guys that are leading your your offense in a way because you're they're you know your best two offensive players. And then um, when things aren't going well, and your quarterback isn't willing to do certain things to, to help make more plays and you could tell in, and that's just their their style of personalities you know those guys both want the ball but at the same time they they're not afraid to let their quarterback know that you know to get them the ball and I guess that's that's where I, I had a standpoint from it was I didn't think the argument was a big deal I just thought I don't need, like I just thought that it 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 didn't make sense to, to have that kind of miscommunication this late in the season and to not know like that, the timing route, the time, the timing aspect, you know, if this, if this was earlier in the season, I could totally understand this, but to for it to be week 17, it just, it just tells you kind of everything you need to know for the season.
0: All right. And last but certainly not least, uh, you know, before we went into all this, Jr., you came out pretty definitively and said that, um, you know, if the Vikings didn't win this game, didn't make the playoffs, that you know, season was a was an outright failure, I guess. After you know that game, how everything went down, what are your thoughts first on the game and then the season overall?
2: I thought it was embarrassing, and why do I say embarrassing? With as much to play for on the line as this team did, everything was set up for you to win. Uh, the Bears didn't have any motivation for this game because they had already clinched a playoff spot, and yes, they were playing for the two c but they, were already, they had already clinched a spot in the playoffs. And in the back of your mind, you're always thinking that when you're out there. And I know you want to get the 2 seed or whatever that was that they could get from the Rams at the time. But they didn't really have much motivation outside of that besides setting a statement to the entire NFL and announcing their presence in the NFC North. And that's exactly what they did. They just imposed their will throughout the game. And they just bullied this entire team in every single phase. And it was just embarrassing to watch, in my opinion. Um, the Thielen and Kirk Cousins thing, I mean, it's just two competitors in the heat of battle, and that happens often. But you can tell that a lot of emotions were spilling over in that entire ordeal because nobody was just on the same page in that game. And that's just exactly how it looked. And the Bears just utterly dominated the Vikings, and it was just embarrassing to watch, man.
0: And so from your perspective, um, obviously, you know, we go to you for kind of the, you know, the deeper dive QB analysis and, you know, the Vikings have uh, have tweeted things out recently and, you know, I guess supporters will say of Kirk cousins will come out and say things like, you know, first quarterback in in NFL history with 4,000 yards and, you know, completion percentage of this and and all those things. But then you go look at, you know, I guess the more advanced statistics and move away from some of the volume stats. And, um, you know, it, Kirk Cousins had a, a fairly middle-of-the-road statistical season. I guess, Jr. from your perspective, when you're evaluating him from a tape perspective, what did you see and kind of what tier of quarterback um, would you put Kirk Kurt, Kurt Cousins in after this first season with the, with the Vikings?
2: It was very inconsistent, and it was a wild ride, and that's been the report about Kirk Cousins' his entire career. And he's been – his entire tenure in the NFL has been a roller coaster ride, and I say that because – that's exactly how his first year went with the Vikings. There was some extreme, extreme highs and there was some extreme lows. And that's just what you're going to get with him. You don't know what you're going to get with him weekly. And that's something that I've always had an issue with him. And the biggest issue that I have with Kirk Cousins is he does not rise to the occasion. And that's something that I talked about prior to signing or prior to the Vikings did sign him or when they signed him. He just does not rise to the occasion. And I think he just tries to play too perfect. In games, and it results in him being very uptight, so when he's out there playing that those little demons are always in the back of his head that are telling him not to mess up because he wants to win the big game so bad that he plays uptight and he feels like he can't make a mistake so he plays that way as well that's why you're seeing him throw short of the sticks often and you're not seeing him take as many risks as he does or as he did early on in the season because he just is not he just doesn't want to take those big steps down the field or whatever he has to do in order to make those plays or those risky plays because he doesn't want to mess up. And that's how exactly how he played against the Bears. Now, he didn't have a chance behind the offensive line. They didn't play well uh, in that game, that Week 17 game. And it's not all his fault. But when he had opportunities to make plays, he it's, It was just hit or miss with him. And that's exactly how his entire first year went with the Vikings. But I think he's still a top 15 quarterback in the league. I would probably put him in that 12 to 15 range, which is fine. I think you can win a Super Bowl with that type of guy. But we all know everything has to be perfect for Kirk Cousins around him. And that's what they knew when they did end up signing him. So they have to find a way to fix his offensive line, get the run game going, because they already have two dominant perimeter weapons. And I still think they need to get a third guy. Somehow, because they tried to use Dalvin Cook in spots, but he's just not that versatile running back like a James White or somebody like that. That's just not what caters to his skill set. He's a between the tackles and he can run on perimeter as well. But as far as running routes and being efficient and being a huge mismatch against linebackers, he's just not that guy. And then Kyle Rudolph, everyone knows we went back and forth about this guy he's just not that diverse weapon that they do need but he is a reliable underneath the coverage type of guy that can be a second tight end they just need that field stretcher guy that can go deep against linebackers or even slot corners and be that versatile weapon
0: and so i guess question jr for you first miles you can uh you can jump in next there um like the 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 i guess the issues that you're describing with kirk cousins in terms of you know, like they, they're largely in his head. You know, he has the physical abilities. He can make the throws. And and I think that's the thing that, you know, his supporters really um, will will often kind of um, point to. Same thing that we would see with Sam Bradford is that, yeah, he can make a lot of amazing throws and throws that stand out in your mind and, and, and throws that are like, wow, if we could just do this, this, and this around him with his ability to do these things, then maybe he really is the guy that's going to lead us to the promised land. But what you're describing to me is a guy who, has some issues, you know, upstairs. Um, Can you think of, you know, many or any examples of a quarterback who did have those sorts of demons or issues or whatever you might want to call it, who was able to, I guess, consistently overcome them to, to rise to those occasions on a regular basis. You know, when they had these issues for this much of their career kind of starting out.
2: Well, Peyton Manning had it early on in his career and he had some trial and error early on his playoff career. Um, he's probably the best example. And I'm obviously not saying Kirk Cousins is Peyton Manning, just using it as a mental standpoint. And until he wins that big game, those demons and that hurdle is still going to be there uh, until he wins that big game. So we'll see what happens. And maybe once he wins that big game, whether it's a win and end game or even a playoff game, if he does break down that barrier and he starts to play much better in big games.
0: All right. So basically you just feel like it doesn't matter. Like if he plays one of the games where he has like, you know, week 17 type stat line, but the team wins that monkeys off his back and and he'll be able to play more loose in those games going forward. You think?
2: Yeah. Just because there won't be any pressure. And I think the whole $84 million thing, no matter what he says, that is always in his head. And I know he says he has the license, the lead. We've all made fun of him about that and that he's the $84 million man. When he's out there on that field, there's no doubt in my mind. That's in the back of his head, and he wants to prove that he's worth that to this team. And that's he just looked like he was pressing too much trying to prove that he just needs to relax and just go out there and play ball because everyone knows knows he has the ability to do it. He just has to be consistent in these big games. And until he wins these big games, the reputation of he doesn't show up when the pressure is the highest is going to follow him.
0: And Miles, I guess from your perspective, uh, I guess, you know, similar – Similar thoughts for you, I guess, a quarterback who has, you know, issues, I guess, I guess it's a confidence thing. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're using a lot of different words to, to kind of talk around it, but for you in a locker room, how does that affect, I guess, the other guys? Cause one of the things we talked about a lot, you know, over the course of the season is, you know, and it's something the team talked about where maybe they're dancing around a little bit as well, where, you know, what's our identity on offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I guess if the quarterback is lacking confidence or, or or struggling to to believe in in himself going into big game situations, how does that affect the other players on the offense?
3: Oh, it, it's definitely a uh, an issue, I'm sure, in, within the locker room. I mean, you're going to have guys, you know, who are who are performing well on both sides of the ball, who are going to question question this, question the whole thing because you, you know, everything they're hearing, everything they're being told. You know, I know a lot of people say they don't follow. They don't follow the noise and on social media and whatnot, but you know, a lot of these guys do it's, it's out there. It's hard not to follow. Um, th- they're always just told they, and they know how talented their team is um, being told that we're just a quarterback away. We, we brought in this guy and paid him this kind of money because we believe he's a better quarterback than what we had previously. And, you know, just because that guy won, you know, one of you, some big games doesn't mean, you know, he's the right guy for us or that we couldn't improve. And, So, they're they're basically being told this, sold this bill of goods on why this guy's getting paid the way he is. Um, And that adding him to their roster was, you know, basically should have been a foregone conclusion that this team would be playing this weekend, you know, late, late in January, you know, uh, late, late in January and whatnot. And to fall short of that, I'm sure, and to watch your team and watch your, your quarterback, you know, struggle in those big games when that's what he was expected to be, that's what he was brought in for. Um, it, it definitely has to be disheartening for these guys i mean uh, they know it's he's here he's here for the the short to long term uh, three years we know in the nFL can be considered a long time so um he's here so they know that he's their guy but yeah it, it would be a problem for me just because you know you you're expecting your your key player like your quarterback to lead you and to be that guy to to set that example for you but when hes setting an example for you of Kind of running scared and being afraid of, you know, throwing the ball and um, taking some chances that, that definitely doesn't give you a vote of confidence moving forward either. So I think there's going to be a lot of that. He's going to continue to prove himself for this team to kind of get behind him. And it doesn't start, it'll start, it'll have to start this offseason, you know, however he handles that situation with his wide receivers and stuff like that. But um, it's going to be tough. I, I do think it's going to be tough for him to kind of earn that back because you know he had it going into the season. Let's see how he handles it going uh into year 2.
0: Yeah, cuz you know a lot of that license to lead talk like we we joked around a lot about early in the season uh that stuff seemed to quiet down a little bit as the season went along and Well, and into, the anyway. problem
3: is he doesn't he doesn't need to be somebody he's not. Like don't don't be somebody that you're not. Be be the person that got you to the the point of where you're at in your career and trying to trying to change that, I don't know, just puts more pressure on yourself and to Jair's point, you know the we know the money is there in the back of his head whether he'll say it or not, and we know the the those high expectations are there. So, if you if you're not going to allow yourself to to be who you are within those expectations, you're going to see the outcome that we saw this year.
0: All right. Well, uh, rapid fire, Miles. What grade would you give this season? C C minus. I mean, okay jr how about you definitely c okay all right it is a c all right well let's move this thing along obviously uh yeah the viking season is not well okay let me not say that because if i say that eric will will yell at me the viking season was not what i think the majority of the fan base expected um it probably came in a little bit closer to what those who uh I guess we'll say sharp money in Vegas, people who would be gambling on the season or or gambling on over-unders. I think we came closer to what they would have predicted than what much of the fan base would have predicted coming off that 13 and three, but moving away from that, you know, a lot of the talk is obviously offensive line. That's, that's the thing. I know we've talked a lot and, uh, you know, our good friend Matt Collar also has uh, put out a great piece, which I'll link to in the show notes, highlighting the need for us to get us some additional weapons. But most people don't want to hear that. All they want to hear is offensive line, offensive line, offensive line is what we need to address. And obviously the offensive line needs to get better. So, JR, I know that you've, you've made a couple different points around this, Um, that in some cases people have kind of, I guess, picked up or understood what you were saying. In other cases, people kind of jumped on you a little bit when you were talking about, um, rebuilding an offensive line being you know a process that isn't really an overnight thing. Um, you know, I guess help me understand what it was or what the point you were trying to make there was because everyone now looks at these Indianapolis Coats and their offensive line was bad last year and it's good now, so yeah,
2: yeah. And all I was trying to say with that is everyone expects a strong turnover in the offensive line from year to year, and that's just not possible because. Of all the positions on the field, offensive line is that group that needs continuity and they have to figure out a way to play together over a long ex- extended period of time because they get, they usually get better as time goes on. We saw it with old Dallas Cowboys, with Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, when they were once the most dominating line in the NFL, they were playing games together year after year. And they were just establishing establishing that continuity because There's nothing like knowing the person beside you is going to be there game after game. And it's just like having a brother or a sister. You know exactly what they're going to do before sometimes they even do it. And the communication is just top notch when you're beside a person forever. So that's what I was saying with that. And just everyone likes to point to the Colts because they think they had like illegally 56 sacks a year ago. And now they're a league low 18 sacks this year. And they've been putting resources in that offensive line forever. I know Anthony Costanzo, he was a first-round pick from 2011. Ryan Kelly, their center, he was their 2016 first-round pick. And, of course, Quentin Nelson this year and Braden Smith were first- and second-round picks, respectively, this year as well. And they lucked up into Matt Glowinski this year when he got cut from the Seahawks. So they've been pouring resources in that offensive line for, what, eight years now, six or seven years, something in that range. So it's not going to happen overnight, establishing – a dominant or even a marginal offensive line. And they have a good start. The Vikings have a good start. They have Riley who I think can be a serviceable left tackle. They got Brian O'Neill, who was a fantastic pick in the second round, who's going to be really good. Uh, Pat Elfline, I just think he was hurt this year and missing training camp was huge for him. And it showed in his play, he just was not strong and he didn't make that leap. Like we thought he was going to make in the second year, but I expect him to be better next year, as long as he does stay healthy and he continues to strengthen that shoulder But they have to find a way to get two guards. They have to find a way to upgrade both of their guard spots because that is probably the most weak link uh, on their offensive line, especially left guard. Now we can bait back and forth which one is more important, and I don't have a belief that one is more important over the other besides right guard being in the immediate quarterback sight line depending on if if he's a right-hand quarterback. So I think both guard spots is somewhere – or guard – it guards period or you can find them anywhere in the draft in my opinion there's no target range and i know you did some work on that jason uh finding out where teams usually take or draft guards and how their success translates into the nfl and there's no proven theory to it but day two is usually where most teams most teams find those serviceable guards and i think that's something that they would look to do in this draft
0: yeah and miles obviously uh you've done a bit of work on the subject. So I guess from your perspective, offensive line, uh, what needs to be done? What does the team need to do to, uh, to make this situation better than it currently is? Yeah. I
3: mean, I, for one, I think it's, I mean, what well, the end of it? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think don't, don't play a, a tackle at guard. I mean, we saw Mike Rummers slide in with no previous experience outside of the, the three games last year at, at guard, like in his career, I know he's come out and said that that's not his natural position. So, asking a guy who's not built to go against defensive tackles and nose tackles on a down-and-down down basis just wasn't – it wasn't fair to Remmers. Um, I guess that's where I say that's the biggest hole, just because they – the the Vikings could at least bring someone like Tom Compton back, and they know that they have someone that can play at an average level, like below – below to. Average to slightly below average level, um, but in right guard we don't have an option there right now at all. Um, Danny Isadora is a guy that I know um, we like to come out of college, but we haven't seen much out of him the two years he's been here. I mean, he's played in spurts and, and done okay, but I just don't know if they. I just don't know if he's the guy, and there's no way I, I believe you could go into next season relying on that. So, um, like Jair said, it's finding two guards. Um, I think you you might need to get creative with it. We know that they're you know they're cap strung a little bit, but there are some names on the free agent market that that are available that could help be an upgrade to what they currently had in 2018, uh, and it could make a significant difference. Just guys that naturally play the guard positions, um, I think would just be a major a major increase to what we saw this last year. So um, I I noted in my articles, I think. If you wanted to look for trades, they kind of need to get a little creative um, besides being able to open up some some cap room to make moves. Um, there are some guys that out there that might be available in trades, you know, whether they're a little older and um, with some expiring contracts or or guys that, you know, have younger guys um, ready to take over. So there, I think there's some opportunities for this team to to add, a, you know, one or two guards in free agency and, and look to the draft and, and grab at least, you know, at least one more so. Um, we'll we'll see what they do. But I think we know it should be one of the top priorities, especially on the offensive side of
0: the ball. And, uh, you know, I know we talked about the players there, I guess. What are your thoughts? Because obviously the the news right now is, uh, you know, a couple of the Packers coaches are being looked at, um, you know, by the Vikings for potentially coming in to be uh, our answer at a offensive line coach. I guess what are your thoughts on uh, some of the names beyond those that we should be looking at? Uh, to come in and uh, and potentially coach the offensive line for this uh for this upcoming season,
3: yeah, I, I think um I think the surprise one, I, not really surprise, but you know uh a guy that you look at that was uh someone that I didn't really have in my radar was Joe Philbin, the Packers interim head coach this last season this last uh this last season, um you know he's got a lot of head coaching experience and um O line experience. He's the kind of guy that um. Could be could really fit to what we want, you know, what this offense wants to do. But a couple other names I'd keyed on was, you know, the other the Packers, uh, the other Packers offensive line coach that you pointed out, Jason uh, James Campen. It sounds like he he might be interested coming here or trying to interview here or or leave Green Bay. Um, Bill Callahan from Washington was a was the big name on my list. He he's the guy that you know I believe is one of the top O line coaches in the league. Everything we've heard Um, sounds like Washington might be. You know, so, sounds like guys might be wanting to leave, uh, and and not you know and kind of leave town there. So he could be a guy that's available. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Frank Pollock, Um, another guy that you know we could see jump ship and 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 look for a new a new opportunity. Um, and then the last one I I had, I had noted was uh, the Jets, uh, Rick Dennison. Not sure of his contract situation. Not sure what the Jets are going to do um, along their coaching staff, but I know with the new new ho- new head coach, Adam Gase, um, there might be opportunity for uh, him to leave. So those are a few names that I-, I looked at.
0: All right. And if you have not already checked out Miles' articles, make sure you do so. The link will be in the show notes. All right. Last topic to get to before we get up out of here. Offensive coordinator. Uh, in the end, it uh, is the name that Miles predicted it would be but it seemed to take a little bit longer than we thought. And uh, there didn't seem to be as much interest maybe around the league as, uh, you know, last offseason. obviously we were the hot team coming off to 13 and three new quarterback, all that stuff. Uh, JR, I'll start with you on this one here, I guess. Um, what what were your thoughts? And, and I guess how confident were you in things as the you know Vikings offensive coordinator search seemed to drag out a little bit. And then, um, what are your thoughts and expectations for Stefanski coming in with us knowing really so little about, you know, kind of who he is and what he's going to be as an offensive play caller?
2: Yeah, I was fine with them promoting Kevin Stefanski. And why do I say that? I actually liked what he did during the backstretch of the year. And I know they struggled against the Bears. And I thought he caught a really good game against the Dolphins. And we saw a lot of Pat Shermer implementations that he tried to put into the offense in such such a short period of time. Couldn't get that out. Um, But I think with an entire offseason and now a full season next year, I think he's going to be able to put in some schemes that he really wants to run just because he has the time to install the stuff and the plays with the guys. So I'm expecting not necessarily a big jump, but I think there's going to be some improvements, especially in the explosive plays area because that's something that the Vikings really lacked this year. They were more of a nickel and dime type of offense, and that offense is really predicated on you not turning the ball over and having a dominant run game. We really saw that with North Turner in 2015, and that's just an identity that they tried to have this year, and it just didn't work for them because their offense doesn't really set up for that type of running style or that type of style in general because their offensive line isn't that heavy mauler type of running game that we saw in years past. Uh, where they had success. So I expect them to be much more up-tempo as well, and that's something that Pat Sherman excelled at when he was here as well. So I think Stefanski not necessarily going to make a big jump, but I think we're going to see some improvements in the offense, especially explosiveness and in the running game.
0: Okay, and Miles, I mean, you've been calling this for a while—not necessarily as a prediction, but more as what you would want to see. Um, just really highlighting the importance of, of continuity, especially with uh, with Kirk Cousins going into year two. Not want to throw away another season with a, a brand new OC. What are your thoughts on, I guess, your your hope or your your kind of prediction coming through? Coming through, and uh, what sort of concepts are you, I guess, hoping that you'll see from from Kevin Stefanski as we move into uh, into his first full season as the offensive coordinator.
3: Yeah, I think to touch on your point on continuity, we saw that we heard that from a lot of the players after their, their reaction, after they had a, a post-reaction of this. to fancy news of him being named the full-time OC heading into 2019 is they like knowing going into the season what kind of the expectations for them is going to be, what what kind of game and what kind of plays they can expect to run and the things they can prepare for heading into heading into the new season. Um, that's important. When you, when you know, you know exactly what is expected and what's going to happen. Um, it allows you to kind of be a little more free as you play because you, you know, it more, you're going to know it a lot easier. You're going to know it like more like the back of your hand. And when you're learning a new offense it takes a little longer, depending on the concepts, depending on the, the terminology and whatnot, it can take you and kind of take things a, lot, a, a little longer to kind of get caught up, so um, knowing knowing that right away now is super is super helpful. So that when they when they meet and they can tell the players as they all the players you know head off to do their own things and what on the offseason, they know exactly what they need to prepare for. Um, but I think with, with Stefanski, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more of figuring Kirk Cousins' strengths and working around and working into those. I think you're going to see a lot less. Um, uh, QB QB from the shotgun. I think the shotgun was something that yes, Kirk Cousins can do it, but is that Kirk Cousins' strength? No, but I mean, yeah, we know that you need to do it at times, but I, I just don't think that's something he he thrives in sitting back and being, um, and, and working from the shotgun is not something I think um is his his best skill set. I think he likes to work under center. Um, he be, he's able to get into more of a rhythm once he he takes his drop. Um, and and there's a lot more things I feel like they believe they can do from, from under the center than, than what's, uh, asked of in the shotgun as well. Um, and I'm sure JR could touch on that as well, but, um, no, I, I think we're going to see a lot more, um, move movement in space. Um, you're going to see more of a cohesive run game in terms of the plan. Um, and, and to your guys's point, what Pat Shermer did in 2017, you're going to, I think you're going to see a little bit more of those style of runs that we saw like against the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions. Uh, You're going to see a lot more of the the using, using your best players, whether, you know, offensive line, wide receiver running back, you're going to use them in their best possible way. I believe Kevin Stefanski is that type of player or that type of coach, excuse me, who wants to build around his best players and do what they're best at, not just forcing them to do what he wants them to do, but, um, putting them into situations to be successful. Uh, Pat Elfline out in space. Brian O'Neill out in space, letting those guys use their athleticism because that's what their that's what their skill sets are. Not forcing a guy like Pat Elfline, um one on one against a guy like H- Akeem Hicks uh, in the middle in, in the run game. That's just that's not fair to him. That's not his skill set. That's not what he's gonna. He's not. That's not what he's best at. So, um, and you know, moving guys like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs around the formations. Um, and earlier, I know J.R. mentioned Dalvin cook, you know, moving him around a little bit, um, and letting him be that, um, that playmaker that, that we know he can be. Um, and then I, I believe that he's going to push hard this offseason to, to add a couple more weapons to add to that arsenal so that they can kind of help free guys up like Adam Thielen, Stephon digs to, so that they're not getting double teamed every, every play, like we saw down the stretch.
0: All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. We covered quite a bit. We covered all the things we wanted to, and uh, I think that's it. I mean, there's nothing else really to be said. It was a disappointing season, uh, not what anyone was hoping for. Uh, yeah, no need to pile on. I think that there, there's a long offseason, and most of us have turned to uh, what can be done to uh, to make this team better as uh, as things progress. Obviously, it's draft season. Both of y'all have been doing work already. And uh, so that's it. That's all. We will be back soon sexy prince had to dip out of here it's his birthday he has some things to do but uh jr miles as always thanks for coming through listeners thanks for sticking with us and uh yeah we will talk to you guys soon have a good one